0: Hey Wretched Hive listeners, Steve here with a quick word of warning. This is our Star Wars Episode eight, The Last Jedi Reaction Show. We do not hold back. There are plenty of spoilers ahead. We don't want you to be spoiled if you have not seen The Last Jedi. Stop what you're doing, put your phone down, and go and see the film. And then come back and listen to this show later. You can check out our mini-episode number 11. That's our prediction show. That one's spoiler-free. This one is not. Warned, you have been. Hey there, fans of the Wretched Hive. Before we get to the show,
1: I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial of the Audible service just by going to www.audibletrial.com forward slash hive. That's spelled H-I-V-E. From there, you can get over 180,000 titles to choose from that you can play on your iPhone, over Android, if you have a Kindle, one of those, or even if you're still stuck on one of them MP3 players. Maybe even a Zune, if that's still out there. Are those still out there? They're probably still out there. You can play it on a Zune, I'm sure, because they took MP3s. Why not? Anyway, enjoy the show.
0: Welcome to the Wretched Hive
2: podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Mos Eisler Space Force. What are you talking about? we will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious.
0: Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks.
3: That's good news. I like the
2: sound of
0: that.
3: Wow, what an
0: incredible, incredible two weeks it has been improbable improbable sure we get it's been in, in this improbable s- in the star Highly wars likely. universe and we are here to break it down for you tonight you have found the wretched Hyde podcast for friday december 23rd 2017 22nd I've been having problems with
2: a date lately. It's Christmas time. <laughs> what are these uh, dates that you're talking about? I think I, I,
0: I think I drink too much during the holidays. I, no, no, you mess up drink my too calendar no. abilities. That uh, is hard. I do know that it's episode fifty-one of the Wretched Hive podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin, and the rest of the hive is with me, sitting to my left. Yeah, we're going to start us off a little bit differently tonight, just because everything's changed in the Star Wars universe. We need to change to
2: lifelong Star Wars fan, Scott Ivansky. Steve, you just porg-shocked me right there. I don't even know what to say. I'm flabbergasted, my friend. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I can't believe this. It's been a crazy, crazy week. Uh, Lots of movie talk, lots of uh, debating going on, some controversial stuff that's out there. Oh, I must be drinking too. I think I'm slurring my words. Hugely controversial. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to all of it. We're going to break it down. We're, we're going to add
0: to it. We're yes. going to add to it. In fact, let's add some right to it right now. You heard him. He is the captain of the... <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
4: we'll fix this in He's post. He's the captain of the... the
0: of Nico
4: Rodriguez! Uh, and in great fashion as always production of the wretched hive podcast is in full force tonight
0: someday we're gonna f- fire our current producer and hire hire a real one oh never <laughs> eventually ne- never
1: sir bite your tongue oh,
0: thank- i appreciate the support guys also joining us you heard him he's our Wookiee co-pilot he is greg lent you know this quite possibly could be the most controversial
1: episode of the Wretched Hive. It may be the night the Wretched Hive explodes.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think he's right.
0: It could is be. It, speaking of things changing, isn't he a Wookiee pilot now at this point? Oh, that's a good point. Well, he's our Wookiee oh. co-pilot. Oh. Yeah, but that's a good point. That's a great point.
3: Well, and as,
0: some good barbecued Porg. As usual... Oh, you and me both, man. As usual, making great points... And finally. Rolling, I've been, rolling, rolling. I've been waiting for this for two weeks now. I can't wait for two this. Two weeks has been two weeks. We have. Keep them doggies rolling. Dave!
3: Raha! Under. Man, my ass is swollen. No circumstances.
1: <laughs> Don't try to understand them.
0: Should you ever. Just throw a rope at Brandon. And I mean. Soon we'll be living high and wide. EVER! My
1: heart's calculating. Call him. My true love will be waiting. Harry. Be waiting at the end of my ride.
0: (laughs) Potter. I almost made it through. It's it's hard to believe believe Greg Lentz is
3: not a professional
0: vocalist. God. The opera is your calling, my brother
3: (laughs) Ah, Oh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Blessed Kwanzaa Wherever, whenever you're listening, whatever you are celebrating Thank you for being here with us for episode 51 of The Wretched Hive Our last Jedi reaction episode Don't forget Life Day Got a, a bunch of life oh. folks out that there. that... November. did he just completely November seventeenth?
0: We completely Ooh, failed on it. Man, Dave's
3: a dick. Man, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just following in the steps of my Jedi master, Luke Skywalker.
0: <laughs> Guys, we've got
3: a surprise tonight.
0: Special guest, Jackie surprise. Michelle. Jackie, welcome to the Wretched Hive once again.
5: Always a pleasure.
0: <laughs> we are thrilled to have you and uh, gosh if if ever the Star Wars universe needed the sound reassuring voice of a lovely woman it is now Jackie it is now we need you Jackie
2: you're I'm your only, only hope, hope?
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> woohoo <laughs> help me Jackie okay. Michelle <laughs> you're my only hope <laughs> oh, Guys,
2: the porg the porg is very jealous right now. Steve, Man. you're making the porg jealous. It's making some weird noises behind uh, us. That's I'm just okay. telling you right now. It's creeping me out.
0: Guys, you can find us on our home on the web. That's thewretchedhive.net. You can choke us uh, choke us out. <laughs> choke us out. <laughs> wow. Some of oh, our fans lady. want want to. Oh, you can oh, check oh, us out I on Facebook. Facebook.com <laughs> forward slash Podcast. On Twitter, at Rich Hive Pod. We've been more active on Twitter lately, thanks to uh, Greg Lent uh, taking over the Twitter feed. Thank you for that, Greg. The man is a maniac on the Twitter. He is a maniac, and you can also leave us a voice message on the Ratchet Hive hotline. That's 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. We may be, uh, I don't know, we may be on the air for a couple hours tonight. There's a lot to cover, so... Let's just jump right into it. From ABC News World Headquarters, this is ABC World News Tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the wretched hive.
2: So be it.
0: Well, guys, I have been dying, dying to talk about this on the air, and it is time to let the world know what our experience has been this last week. It has been an insane, insane week in the Star Wars universe, and I want to start back a couple of weekends ago, Saturday, December 9th, you had a huge, star-studded extravaganza—the world premiere in Los Angeles, California, at the Shrine Auditorium. We the talked the second a, world premiere. The second world premiere. That's right. We talked a little bit about this on our uh, mini. We had two mini-casts re- released last week. If you hadn't heard them, if you haven't heard them yet, go back and listen to our mini-cast number number eleven, which was our uh, our um, prediction show. Yes. Uh, released a couple days before uh, The Last Jedi hit the theaters. But back on Saturday the night, you had this star-studded extravaganza, adoring fans, soaking in all the Star Wars they could. Early reviews that came out right after that, uh, that worldwide launch, the first showing of more than 10 or 20 people in a room, is my understanding. The reviews were outstanding overwhelmingly positive uh, celebrities and uh, fans alike tweeting after seeing The Last Jedi for the first time uh, with just outrageously positive reviews, some going as far as to say this is the best Star Wars movie since Empire. Big words. Later that week, Thursday, December 14th, the movie premieres in North America, I saw the movie that night at 7 p.m. Greg, I think you saw it at 7:30. Uh, a bunch of us saw it together the next day on Saturday uh, here in beautiful Long Beach, California. Now, what what was fascinating about this and what makes this week such a special and unique week in the Star War in the history of Star Wars was the fan reaction that hit the airwaves following the world premiere in theaters on December 14th. Some Star Wars fans were very positive about the film. Stump, so many Star Wars fans uh, and fans of film were very negative about the film. Some going as as far as to say that they were dismissing themselves from the Star Wars universe, that they were no longer Star Wars fans. Uh, one One fan, in the wake of seeing the film started a petition on change.org to have Lucasfilm remove The Last Jedi from official Star Wars canon. Wow. which, which, <laughs> which, by the way, as of the
3: recording of this episode, has
0: been signed by over 51,000 individuals. What?
3: If, 50, you mean 51,000 out-of-control nerds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, at the same time, we had uh, film review compiler site rottentomatoes.com Uh, which has uh, a lot of folks uh, rely on in order to determine what they're going to see and sort of guide their view of of, uh, films that that, uh, are new releases. RottenTomatoes.com compiled a 92% positive review from critics and only a 53% as of earlier today positive review for The Last Jedi. Fans are split on this movie more than ever. And it's just I, been really interesting to watch this roll out.
4: That Rotten Tomatoes I, stat is proof that the mouse is paying off the critics.
3: Well, no, it. There's been some reporting on this and some investigation yeah, it, on this, it, and it's, it, it's 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 botified. It, yeah,
1: it's, it, it, it it sounds like it was there was a tr- there was an attack by a series of trolls who who've influenced falsely the, the scores
3: on on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, not even a congressional investigation could disprove that Rotten Tomatoes has been hacked. My bots at this point. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's it's
0: funny that you bring that up because there's a particular Facebooker who's, uh, let's see, I, I think we're going to leave him nameless at this point. I don't want to give him any more credit than he deserves, but he is a white supremacist, self-proclaimed alt-right, member of the alt-right, and he claims to have initiated the bot attack. And you can find it pretty easily. This is a reading from HuffPost. But so there are... Uh, Far right-wing groups claiming that they have influenced
2: RottenTomatoes.com against The Last Jedi. Oh. The sad thing is, is this is the world we live in now. I mean, we're stuck with this kind of stuff. Even if you didn't like the film, to go that that far, it's it's ridiculous. It really is.
0: Is it that ridiculous, though? I mean, this is what Star Wars fans do. We There are a hundred Star Wars podcasts out there that... Spend hours every week just debating the minutia of the movies. Star Wars fans are passionate, and you get one that's pissed
2: off, and this is what you're gonna get. Yeah, but you know what? Even with uh, the the prequels and and the arguments we've had on this show, I mean, that's what drives this show are the debates and the arguments we have over this issue. But how many of those fans go out and actually deliver the head of George Lucas on a platter? Nobody. We're just we're fans. Yeah, we're just passionate about it. I don't go out and bot attack somebody and. And make websites alter their, their stats. It's it's ridiculous. So. Well, and, and maybe the most
0: shocking revelation of all this week just came two days ago. And I don't, I, we're going to get to the positive stuff because there's a lot to love in The Last Jedi. But I just got to get this out there. Uh, Mark Hamill himself uh, is on, uh, was a, on an interview show talking about The Last Jedi. And uh, this is what he had to say about it. I said to Ryan, I said, Jedi's don't give up. I mean, even if he had a problem, he would uh,
1: maybe take a year to try and regroup. But if he made a mistake, he would try and right that wrong. So right there, we had a fundamental difference. But it's not my story anymore. It's somebody else's story. And Ryan needed me to be a certain way to make the ending effective. That's the crux of my problem. Luke would never say that. I'm sorry. Well, in this version, see, I'm talking about this, the George Lucas Star Wars. This is the next generation of Star Wars. So I almost had to think of Luke as another character. Uh, maybe he's Jake Skywalker. He's not my Luke Skywalker. but
0: He's not my Luke Skywalker. That's Mark see, Steve, I My problem with that whole interview
1: is that you're talking about Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill is a storyteller. Mark Hamill's a raconteur. Mark Hamill is not a guy who can answer things and I'm I'm not saying this to fault him. I'm not saying it to brush over what he's saying or anything like that because he definitely has his has how he feels the story or how he thought the story should have gone because he's a fan. We all had that we all had that reaction of what do I think these guys would be doing, you know, 40 years down the road. And maybe Mark Hamill's a little bit closer to that because he's the guy who played Luke Skywalker, but in the end he didn't create it, he didn't write any of the story. He's just the guy who read the the words on the page. And if you listen to that entire interview that you just played at the beginning of, yeah. he goes on to say what a great job Ryan did with the movie. So it's not his Luke Skywalker as he envisioned it, but he ultimately
0: gives his blessing for the Luke Skywalker that's on the screen. okay, that's fair. yeah, absolutely. He goes on and says Ryan Johnson was the best pick for this film i I was shocked that they actually let this let this out i I, I mean this is this is to me, this is fueling the fans' fire for those that are gonna be haters.
1: yeah, it's a controversial quote, no doubt about it.
5: People have always been controversial with these movies. I'm obviously not 4, 5, and 6, but 1, 2, and 3 was the same thing. I think I mentioned it before, yeah. like, how they had, like, a whole Netflix series or, like, documentary about the people versus George Lucas. But at the end of yeah. it, they say, like, as a Star Wars fan, whether you like Jar Jar Binks or you want to set him on fire, like, you, if you're a Star <laughs> Wars fan, you love it. So the people that are saying that this should not be a part of the Star Wars uh movies this should not even be considered as a star wars movie they're not star wars fans they're just people with too much fucking time on their hands
2: <laughs> right well <laughs> said yeah Woo. you're <laughs> here, here i like the extreme example of setting jar jar banks on fire that was <laughs> well well played my friend i
0: like I hate
5: him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nico i'm curious to hear what you
0: have to say about this what's your reaction to these fans that are ready to leave the star wars universe for good Fuck them!
4: We don't need them. Life's short, and I don't want that kind of negativity in my life. That being said, oh, for me, that being said, this is not my favorite Star Wars film. Ooh. This is not my second favorite Star Wars film, nor
3: my third favorite Star Wars film. Wow! Yeah. All right. So I am. I I would prob. I will probably agree with that statement, but I also just want to throw out. I do have a hard time like trying to slot this in my pantheon of Star Wars films and I actually have a hard a harder time now with The Force Awakens because these really do feel like very consciously it's almost like we're getting a third of a book as opposed to three individual stories that tie into to make a story arc or a larger story mm-hmm. and I kind of I kind of feel like I'm trying to evaluate the middle third of the novel without reading the ending and getting all the payoffs for what's being set up. So I I have a hard time putting The Last Jedi anywhere on the rank order right now with any certainty, and it's actually making me go back and rethink where I had The, the Force Awakens slotted. I kind of want to see how it all pays off.
4: I agree with that, but at the same time, when I look at the other six films from the original trilogy and then the prequel trilogy... <laughs> Each of them was a third of a story, but they all felt like a complete story on their own. They all had their own Mm. introduction, climax, and resolution, whereas this film, to me, felt like it never... It didn't answer any questions, it posed a lot more questions, and it just kind of was... Two and a half hours of Star Wars, but it felt like it didn't go
2: anywhere yet. It doesn't reach that level of accomplishment that the original trilogy was able to do. In each of their films.
4: Each one of the films
2: felt like there
4: was something accomplished. And there was still something to accomplish, but it felt like the movie itself was a story that you could, you know, appreciate on its own. Yeah. Whereas this film makes me feel like, yeah, I'm... And and I'm not hating on the movie. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I'm definitely waiting for episode nine before I can
3: give it the full the full, full thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I absolutely agree. This is this is it is different. And I I on the the face, I applaud the difference. I welcome the difference. I I really enjoyed it. But it's everything else. If that was the only Star Wars movie you you've ever seen, that would make sense. This one, you have to. You have to see what's before and what's after. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. They're doing it on purpose. It's Disney. They want a way to add more movies and throw in stuff in the middle like Rogue One in the future. It's just oh, a yeah. you know, franchise now. Like, it's, I mean, it was always trend, but it's, like, a huge one now. Yeah.
4: From <laughs> the fans' point of view, though, it's like they don't, they don't need to do that. We're going to go see the movies anyway. You don't need to write it in such a convoluted way that it's going to force people to come back. They're going to come back no matter what.
5: No, but that's just the way it is now. Same, I mean, completely off topic, but same thing with it. They could have made it into one movie, mm-hmm. but they did it two because they want people to go back to more money. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah, Harry Potter ruined that for everybody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it really did.
1: Well, uh, the 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 original TV show of it was in two parts, just like the movie, though it yep. was a, it was a 2 hour story of the kids and then a 2 hour story of the adults just like they're doing with the movie
5: that's, that's i know but they could have yeah. condensed it
2: yeah, that's true, Great, but that was a very I think, common... I think, uh,
5: I, I think
1: it would have been interesting, and, and it, we're totally we're getting really off topic now, but I think it would have been interesting if they would have had, the, if you could tell those stories concurrently, so you have the kids and the adults going on with a big climax at the end with kind of both battles in time and timing together. That that's something I thought. That
5: would have been awesome, because yeah. that would have put the story all together, because the only reason they separated it was because they couldn't fit all of it onto television in one sitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah. and that
2: was a common format back then, I believe that was late 80s, early 90s, when that that came out correct. Uh,
5: yeah, the,
0: the
2: two Insane. night, three yeah. night miniseries were very popular back then.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So, guys, I want to, I want, I'd like you all to think back to getting back to the Last Jedi, um, to the 1st we ta- talk more about it, Steve. Talk more about it. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first viewing. Let's, Greg. Let's start with you. W- what was your feeling of the movie on? Uh, Immediately following your first viewing, what what was what did you like and what did you not like about the Last Jedi? The the
1: the simple way that I put it to people who uh, just want to get a quick review of the movie: I love the beginning, I love the end, I hate the middle. It's just it's, it's <laughs> it really breaks down that simply for me. But after my first viewing, i I was just in love with this movie. Even though I hated the middle part, I was in love with this movie. Because there were so many things that took what I thought was going to happen and just turned it completely around and went in a direction I never, ever thought it would go. And I was so thrilled that they took it and just made it something different, that they didn't do what I expected they were going to do. And I was yeah. – was i I'm really surprised that people are so mad – that the story did what they didn't think it would do. And I'm like, you know, you gotta applaud them for making these brave choices and being, you know, creative storytellers enough not just to take the easy way out and go what everybody thought was gonna happen, because there was like four basic storylines that that the that the general Star Wars fandom had thought this was gonna go. You know, Ray's gonna be a Kenobi, Ray's gonna be a Skywalker, Ray's gonna be this, Ray's gonna be that. We all talked about it for two years leading up to this movie. And none of those things happened. None of them. So I was like. This movie is fucking genius. It's brave as fuck,
3: and, and I, I applaud the guys who made this movie. Which Speaking is actually, of
4: Bray's lineage,
3: who owes who beer? I gotta say, I think it's indeterminate at this point. Because I don't know that you can trust uh, Ben Solo as a, a reliable narrator at this point. I agree with Dave on that. So Ooh. I... And I think story wise it, it could legitimately go either way. She could wind up being a Skywalker because it's a Skywalker family saga and there would be a wonderful symmetry to it if she was a Skywalker. But by the same token, the story that they are really seeming to be setting up here is the idea that anybody can be a hero. It doesn't have to be this, you know, force of destiny, grand blood lineage, whatever, that you save the galaxy. A nobody can save the galaxy if you have hope if you believe and all of that all of that stuff
4: if you have a ring and a broom
3: yeah
5: that's the part that threw me so they show luke and leia do the little connection thing then they show uh kylo ren and ray and so i was like oh they must be related like i don't know little sister could be anything uh some sort of blood relation and then the little kid at the end threw me off because i was like well, who the hell is he?
3: <laughs> well, the, to the, me... To... The, for- the Force has awakened, and I I think the light <laughs> is rising to meet the dark. The opposite of the of what Snoke threw out there in the movie.
0: Well, to me, the, the little the...
3: kids at the end are setting us up
0: for Episode Nine in the future. Maybe even the next trilogy. With those kids being our next heroes, potentially. Well, we, they're, yeah, they're, I... And actually, they've, it's been reported, I haven't seen it, but they're in the visual dictionary for The mm-hmm. Last Jedi. And those kids are named. And yeah, so apparently the
3: Visual Dictionary has a shit ton of information and spoilers in it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Really quick, I want to get back to a, a point that uh, that you made, Greg, and that is that fans were flipping out and upset that this was so different, which is interesting because one of the prime criticisms of The Force Awakens was that it was a rehash of Episode Four. So it's like you can't please Star Wars fans either way. <laughs> they're upset if it's too much like... Previous Star Wars, and they're upset if it's too different. And Isn't I that crazy Star Wars fans fucking suck. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah.
1: no. no.
5: Real Star Wars fans went and saw the movie. They had criticisms for it, but they still loved it because it's yeah. Star Wars. Like it, I feel like the people that are complaining and 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 don't have anything positive to say, you're right. You can't please them because they're gonna bitch no matter what. Yeah.
3: yeah. You know, I got I got to say, I have friends who have approached me because they didn't like it and they wanted to talk with me about it. And every time I push back on them about why they don't like the movie, their response is always like, well, yeah, you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah, 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 you're right. They always agree with everything I say. And then I have other friends who loved it and come to me to talk about it. And then we wind up spending a half hour dissecting the things that we didn't like about
2: it. <laughs> yes.
0: They're, the grass is always greener. It's always more interesting to talk about the other side, right? I wonder what side we're going to fall on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you my experience before I, I – um, move on to you, Scott. But my first experience watching this movie is I, I, and this happened to me with the force awakens too, as a, I don't know if it's because I, I just, it's the way I think, or I'm a podcaster and I'm sort of thinking about what I want to rehash later. I I came at it sort of from an academic's point of view. And I'm like looking at stuff going, Oh, that's new. That's not new. That's cool. I don't like that. And it sort of took me away from my enjoyment of the film The second time I saw the movie, I really enjoyed that experience. The first time was, I was anxious. I wasn't, I couldn't relax. Um, There were so many, whoa, I can't believe I just saw that moments. The flipping of the lightsaber over his shoulder. Um, So many other things that I I, I couldn't, I was like on edge the whole time and I couldn't relax. So when I saw it with you, with you guys, Dave and Scott um, on Saturday, Friday night, our, was that Friday night? Yeah. Oh, that's Friday night. Friday night. Um, I I was I, I I loved that experience. So Scott, what what was your coming out of the theater for the first time? That was a Friday night. Well, what
2: did you think? What did you like about it? And, and what stood out for you? Is it is this my coming out moment right here? <laughs> uh, my parents are going to be so pissed. Yeah. Um, Dude.
3: It's it's not it's
2: not a surprise to those of us that know you, Scott. I just want to let you uh, know Dave, right now. Thanks, Dave. You're, you're looking awfully sexy tonight. Let me tell you, um, as, you know, as always. As always, my not friend. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I got a porg, and I'm I'm willing, Are you to, use willing it. to use it. Hey, so you're yeah. gonna segue in from that moment, and the funny thing is, is that that was your second time. That was my first time, and my first time watching the movie, I was sorely let down. Um, and I have a, a really good explanation for that. We saw a late showing at a, at a not very packed theater, yeah. and we had a really and it was
3: it was a dead audience. It
2: was a totally dead audience. And the sad thing was, the thrill was still there. The excitement when the fanfare, you know, lights up or the the opening um, uh, Star Wars logo pops up and everything comes into play. Every, uh, the music, the score, everything's just it was beautiful. However. There's a lot to say about Star Wars fans and their initial reactions. And the difference between seeing it that first night versus the next day at Grauman's Chinese in Hollywood. Night and day difference. Um, Everybody just like, I mean, standing ovations, people jumping out of their seats, screaming for all the great moments. Uh, you, You could actually hear people crying when the Leia scenes were coming on. I mean, just... Shocking how much emotion was in that, that theater versus the night before. And the sad thing was is I'm a Star Wars fan, so I enjoyed the hell out of it, but there's that moment where we sat afterwards and talked for like 15, 20 minutes, and I'm like, I feel like I've been punched in the gut. Like, there was a lot to take in in the movie, but also this like kind of dead reaction as well. So uh, my initial out-the-door reaction was I wasn't happy. But the feeling that I felt about the movie the next day... Was a total different feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked it so much better on the second viewing. Yeah, uh, that doesn't mean I don't have a lot of criticisms of this film. And, and we'll get to that. <laughs>
0: there, there's uh, for as much as there is to love about it. Yeah, there, there are um, there are areas that we can discuss that yeah. are have really been uh, a thorn in some fan side, and I think we agree on some of those.
3: Yeah.
0: Dave, what was your reaction uh, coming out of the theater for the first time?
3: So Christine and I went to a a late Friday matinee, and we were very fortunate. We had an absolutely fantastic live audience, just laughing, clapping, all all the right stuff. And coming out of it, Christine is not the biggest movie person in general in the world. And her comment to me was, I could go see that again right now, which – all the times we've been to movies in three and a half years, she's never said that. And we tried to go see it again right then, but it was sold out. And that's how Shit, we wanted to go into the Friday Night all Show. that's you
1: had to say.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it talked me into it, honey. But I, no, I I loved it. And I, I talked about it on the podcast and I think uh, offline in a post show with you guys. I mean, I've I love the character of Luke Skywalker. I've always loved the character of Luke Skywalker. So... To go into Force Awakens, I thought I was going to get the Luke Skywalker continuation and didn't get it, had to wait an extra two years for it. And I actually really loved what they did with the character. It made perfect sense to me that here is this guy, this you know, this this man who winds up being an actual living legend, a savior of the galaxy, and lo and behold, he actually can't quite live up to the mantle of those expectations of all of civilization. And and retreats from that civilization as a result of failing to live up to those expectations. I thought it was a wonderful, logical, very humanizing twist on the character, and I couldn't get enough of it. I leaned over to Christine at one point, and I said, they should have called it Episode 8, Luke Skywalker, Space Dick. And I, I totally <laughs> wish I could see more of this character.
2: I'm sorry, uh, Space Dick? <laughs>
0: Sp-
3: Luke Skywalker, Space Dick.
2: Space Dick. <laughs>
0: So, Jackie, did you. Uh, what was your feeling going into or coming out of the theater for the first time you saw The Last Jedi?
5: I actually saw it yesterday because I've been working like crazy. Um, but. Shit. Did you I you, you
3: going to say, I haven't seen it yet, and you guys are uh, ruining this for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did, were you able to remain spoiler free?
5: Yes. Um, I wow. avoided social media at all costs. Okay. okay. And people. Okay. Um, I loved it. I. I have things that I didn't like, like that I could tell it's a Disney thing now, but um, they have very Avengers, quippy little things in there that weren't there before in Star Wars that bothered me. Um, but all in all, like on a scale of Return of the Jedi being my most favorite and Attack of the Clones being my least favorite, I I would give it like a, a B+. <laughs> okay.
0: Is is Does any Star Wars fan not have Attack of the Clones as their least
3: favorite? <laughs> I, not I know Iron a Bucks. lot of people who have the Phantom Menace as their least favorite yeah, yeah a lot
5: of people hate the Phantom Menace mm. but I like Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn way too much
3: yeah those yeah. people are space dicks that's all I'm saying <laughs> yeah, there's, there, is, there is more good than bad in the Phantom Menace as opposed to Attack of the Clones but that's a whole other conversation now Nico you
0: did not see it on opening night either what, what, nope. what was and you, so you were avoiding social media what was your <laughs> reaction and did you say spoiler free
4: uh, I did stay mostly spoiler-free. I mean, if we count our predictions and our mini-shows as spoilers, um, then fuck you, Dave. But um, <laughs> We actually
2: said that to his sc- face on Friday night. <laughs> yeah.
4: Sorry, everybody. <laughs> fuck you, Dave. Because I honestly, like, like, kudos to you for seeing that, but honestly, because I had that in the back of my head, I feel like it ruined that moment for me. Um, <laughs> oh, it didn't feel as man. impactful, because I already was like, this is where it's gonna happen. And then, sure as shit, there goes Luke. And I was like, fuck you, Dave. Like,
3: <laughs> um, I, I feel bad, but I am laughing. But I promise you, I do feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright. Um, I'll just send you another picture of a blue dragon's eye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um no, it was um my initial reaction to the first viewing of it, um I hated it. I hated it. From start to finish. From crawl the credits, I hated two and a half <laughs> hours of a Star Wars movie. Wow. Um and uh it's taken me four more viewings to start to appreciate certain nuances and things of the film. It. I love um, it to that Where
2: you... it's you hated it so much, Nico, that you went four more times. That's a Star Wars fan. That's what we do, yeah. man. We hate
0: and we keep watching it until we love it. I had to make sure I hated it, you know? <laughs> um oh, But no,
4: it's actually like the more that I watch it, the less I hate it. Um, the more I can appreciate, you know, certain things and the more I see the direction. But I think I was definitely one of those those fans who went in with expectations, and I wasn't disappointed by the film so much as it it didn't it didn't do what I wanted. You know, I ordered a coke and I got an iced tea. I like iced tea, but I wanted a fucking coke, <laughs> and like it just threw me for such a loop that I wasn't prepared for it, and I I just I didn't like it, and it's taken me a lot more sips to to appreciate it. Yeah, see, that's, I think that's, I, 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 I see,
1: I see what you're going for there and, and I, and I understand why you're disappointed in that. And for me, what my old man brain doesn't understand is why do you go, and I'm not asking you because I think you're wrong. I'm just, I'm just generally, I'm just, it's something I need to wrap my head around. Why do you go to a movie with a preconceived notion of what it's going to take? So yeah, you go and you order the Coke, you know, what if you just said I ordered a drink, you know, and then they're going to bring you something wonderful. You know what I mean?
4: So Um, maybe because there's seven other fucking movies that live up to this expectation (laughs) that they've put out, you know, they've got this this formula they've they've done, they've got these, you know, this flow that's already there. And this is such a different, you know, take on the Star Wars universe in a single cinematic experience. That the differences to me was so great that it was a little jarring and that's only my first viewing greg so it's not that i don't like the movie it was just my first viewing was just so dramatically different than what i you know kind of had in my head that it was just uh, i was taken aback a little
0: nico i gotta i gotta back you on this listen i was i was in anguish for like the first 12 hours Yeah, you were I, not happy. You I were was in a good place. I was not happy. I walked out of the theater. My kids were all excited. My wife was going, "Oh, that was so great!" And I'm going, "What did we just see?" <laughs> I think the first thing out of my out of my mouth was, "This is going to divide Star Wars fans." Wow! And Lisa was like, "Oh no, it was great." What are you talking about? I'm like, "Oh man, I, and let's let's talk about some of the problems we have, guys." Because I. And some of the good stuff, but I want to hit on some themes
2: here. I could just, I'm and, sorry. I can just see you walking out with your family, and you're like, kids, get around in a circle. <laughs> right. I don't know what you're all smiling for, but wipe that shit off your face. because
1: We're, <laughs> we're is... selling all of our Star Wars shit, guys. No more in the house.
0: <laughs> Even the Porg was nervous, okay? Uh, no, but let's, let's Por- talk about... The Porg's some... always, always nervous, but that's for a different reason. <laughs> First, I want to talk about... Let's talk about Poe Dameron. Let's talk about Poe in this movie. Movie starts out... One of the uh, the more lighthearted scenes in the movie is Poe's interaction with Hux. And I'm curious to know uh, what you guys thought of that with Poe telling... Hux, you know, pretending like he's holding for Hux. Hux dresses him down and then Poe says, I'm still waiting for Hux. What did you think about that uh, opening sequence?
3: Who wrote the script for this one? Brian Johnson. Fuck that guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so why do you say that, Nico? Hold on. Hold on, Dave. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Star Wars
4: movies have always been funny and witty. Um, this one takes it to a whole new extreme of just like slapstick one-liners that just felt forced to, to me. Like no pun intended. Um, it it didn't feel natural you know like uh, people say like you know we got a new hope and and there's the you know get this giant walking rug out of my way and you know there's funny moments in all the star wars movies but there wasn't ever like this slapstick comedy feel to it and i felt like this one they tried to with such a dark kind of undertones to the entire movie That they were trying to force some of the lightheartedness a little bit with these like quippy one-liners, and it just didn't feel natural to me. Mm
5: -hmm. That's that's Disney. Like that's what I was saying before. Like when Leia's irritated about Chewbacca, she's irritated, and that's a natural reaction. I could say that to a human in front of me. Um, When Han, I'm fine. How are you? Like that's they were funny, but it flowed like it was fluid. But the the stuff like that that's something you could have heard in Guardians of the Galaxy. You could have heard Iron Man say, like, that interaction, it's exactly what they've been doing in all the other movies.
3: Now, Greg, I, I, I or, or, sorry, Dave, go ahead, jump in. No, I was, I was going to say, I, I agree with what what Jackie's saying, and it, 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 we talked about this a little too, See that there was just maybe a little too much of the, the modern colloquialism mm-hmm. or, or flippant dialogue going on, and it It is present in all the other Star Wars movies, but it, it's natural. It flows. And this stuff, it almost felt like, oh, here's Leia's sarcastic line. Oh, here's Luke's sarcastic line. And then it's like yeah, there was a formula that there had to be exactly this many lines, and if we're going to do that, then I would say you needed about 15% less of them, and it would have felt a lot more natural.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it took it to an unnatural state, and the, those moments pulled me out of the film. Uh, that that The moment when she... Uh, uh, Laura Dern turns to the, like o- almost like faces the screen and it's like Godspeed and I'm like mm-hmm. what what you couldn't say May the Force be with you or something very Star Wars like or even if it was going to be more of an Earth bound language phrase or something give it give it a little more uh, acting <laughs> you, you know the the line that pulled me out if we're talking
0: about these modern colloquialisms that that were inserted into the Star Wars universe. Was Yoda's line when he says uh, they're talking about the the Jedi books mm. and he and he says, "Oh, but page readers, they are not, or yeah. you know, I, I, page or turners, page, they are not. Page turners, yeah. I, you know, and uh, big ass gun when I think Poe Dameron refers to that. I, I just, I, I totally agree. I'm going. With this is like modern language, and I think I quipped this to you guys in the car after when we had our uh, on Friday night said, you know, there's there shouldn't be any zippers in Star Wars, and it's it, that's not that's not my theory. It's on another show that I listen to. They talk about that you don't want to see zippers on the costumes because it's not a worldly place. It's a different universe. You shouldn't see zippers. They've got some other fastener, and you shouldn't have earthly language in Star Wars. Of course, you're going to have words, but these the sort of colloquialisms that we're talking about really don't have a place in the Star Wars universe to me. So. That pulled me out. That pulled me out of the so, out of the scene. The
5: same thing that bothered me in Force Awakens. Uh, I think it's Finn, and he goes, "You got a boyfriend?" And I'm like,
0: well,
5: Who would ever say that? <laughs> you yeah, got a boyfriend? Cute boyfriend, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. That was that is a, a little bit of a pulling out moment there.
3: Yep. Yeah. The the one that got me was the uh, the I told them they couldn't park there. It's a public beach.
2: Yeah. Oh, I was man. like, eh, yeah. no, I
3: don't. I didn't like that one."
0: So uh, for, for for everything that we are sort of uh, come down on the negative side about I wanna, I want do want to highlight something that's great about the movie. And the opening sequence, Poe's sequence, um, I thought was orchestrated brilliantly the way with the, the, the way that the, uh, the ships were orchestrated together, the, the, his plan to, um, you know, to take on the armada just with an X wing and sort of buy time. I, I loved that part of it. Visually, I thought the movie was was great in the beginning. I loved it.
3: I, I actually had a huge problem with the beginning. Okay. I, I really did. One, the bombers. Why are these things so fragile that if you shoot a spitwad at them, they just fall apart? That really bothered me. <laughs> and two, what is up with the physics of we're going to drop Bombs from one spaceship to another when you're in space where there's no gravity for things to
0: fall. Well, for that matter, when a ship runs out of fuel, it stops moving forward. Oh, no, don't. No, 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 no Don't no. get me started. <laughs> you does, know I
3: spent five minutes on that in the car. You don't want to do, get me started on that tonight. It doesn't stop moving.
2: It drifts down. It just, right. <laughs> it just Those
3: just things, not, yeah, they just stop moving. They started listing like the Titanic after it hit the frickin' iceberg. <laughs>
0: Oh man, Star Wars physics they don't always hold up.
2: You know, if the, if those ships didn't drift down towards the planet or wherever they were going, they could have pulled that off. A ship, even though it's you know once what is it in motion, it stays in motion. An object stays yes. in motion. Yeah, the whole Sir thing, Isaac Newton. Thank you. Inertia. Yes. So even if they just let it sit in place, you could tell that the rest of the ships were still moving forward faster than the ship that's still in motion might look like it's not in motion. But the fact that it's just totally tilting in, <laughs> on its axis and going backwards and gonna Stop, stop this. I know, it's Star Wars f- physics. We just got to accept it. So,
4: But then they turned around with the Leia in space scene oh. and they did that physics beautifully where she pulls herself back like into the spaceship onto the... Little well, it, it, well. To be fair,
2: or,
0: oh, let's let we're gonna get to Leia in space that, because that, the, that, <laughs> that,
2: that was the force. People, I
5: didn't
3: care for that scene. <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> tell why, to, why not, <laughs> Jackie? These, what, these ja- controversial <laughs> opinions are why we invite you on the show. Yes, <laughs> please, Jackie. What what did you
0: like about about uh, <laughs> Superwoman Leia? Uh, impersonating I, I, the uh, Statue of Liberty in space.
3: What was? Mary, it's Mary Poppins Leia. Let's be real. I'm Mary Poppins. It loyal.
5: was unnecessary. It was weird. It was also depressing because she's dead, and I did not like it. It was morbid and strange, and maybe it was already thought of before she passed away. But I did not like it. Yeah. yeah. They could have cut that out, and we would have been fine. <laughs> it didn't change it didn't help or change anything in the movie
2: it it really felt like that was going to be the moment where they eliminate that character that that was her moment i got
5: very confused and then she came back and i was like already like emotionally preparing myself for her not to be in it and then that weird ass scene happened and then and then fucking r2d2 pops leia up and i just started crying like a baby
0: you know, I, I, I agree. That was an emotional scene and one of the maybe the most emotionally powerful scenes in, in the film. Um, going back to the, the Leia pulling herself in, I, I've thought about this the last day or so. And I, I came to the conclusion that I, it doesn't seem to me that they made a lot of changes. Or perhaps they didn't make a lot of edits in the wake of Carrie's death. They just sort of kept all of her scenes in there. That scene was intended to show that, Oh, Leia has some Jedi training, right? But, but it, the impact of it is so different now that, that uh, Carrie Fisher is gone. I like you, I thought, Oh, this is, Oh God, this is the moment they're going to kill her. This is how they're going to do it. Uh, and when they zoomed in on her face and then her hand, I'm going, please don't twitch like you're alive. And then it she I did, and it was, was so disappointed.
5: Things.
0: Yeah. I am going. I can't believe they are doing this. And then to pull herself in, it just felt so uh, much like a missed opportunity, but so un-Star Wars to me. It didn't feel mm-hmm. like Star Wars in that moment.
2: Okay. So- yeah. Go ahead, Dave.
3: No, go ahead, Scott. No, 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 go ahead, Scott.
2: All right, here's my problem with this. It's, it's actually going to tie into another scene I have a serious problem with, and I think it's actually more film making than actual scenes and the way it's acted. They could have pulled that scene off where it wasn't just so horribly cheesy and, and bad or, or however it came across just by shooting it differently. Uh, the biggest kicker and the punch in the gut for me in that moment is when you get those close-ups of her face in their hands before the twitch yeah. you see that very common effect they use with people in the in the vacuum of space where their skin is starting to go blue and crystallize a little bit that was a very big indication that she was dead or she was very close to dying and they could have if she does have powers and they're just gonna shock us with suddenly hey guess what as a Skywalker. We all know that. She's got powers. And here's how we're going to finally show you. I think they could have handled it differently. They could have shot that a little bit differently. They could have shown her almost struggling to pull back. Something with a little more intensity and drama there. As opposed to literally a dead body floating in space. And yeah. I'm sorry if that's shocking, but it, that's what it looked like to me. And then she comes back and the hand twitches and I'm like oh, don't do that. Don't do that (laughs) and
0: and dave i'm gonna i'm gonna hand it off to you but i just have to jump in here and say my other thought in that scene was that should i not be concerned that any main star wars character (laughs) is ever going to be killed off i mean if if she's going to survive this if she if jedi are suddenly superheroes and they can fly around in outer space and not die is there any concern for any star wars main character and so, Dave, but you got no problem with them being ghosts and coming
2: back? <laughs> uh, I do, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> hey, what about Han Solo? <laughs> my my, my yeah. biggest yeah, my hey, biggest problem with the ghosts what, is they can come back all they want, but the fact that they're moving blades of grass and sitting down on a tree tr- stump and having a you know tea time with Luke or something, there's some weird stuff about that.
3: And hey, we might we might see Han solo Luke's line about, you know, I, I will always be with you just like your father that that made me pause and think, are they setting it up for some kind of Harrison Ford appearance in episode nine?
5: But that's also kind of weird because I mean, the reason that that Luke saw his his dad and and Ben and that was also weird when they threw his dad in the freaking Return of the Jedi. I hated that. But Oh <laughs> um, sorry.
3: And it's your uh, and it's your favorite movie and there's something you hate in it.
5: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's why I do I love, love this movie. There's just things about it that I would obviously not have done. But I just don't like that if they're gonna start doing stuff like that, you can't see everybody. There there was a significance with Ben, there was a significance with Yoda. I know this was a while back, but when you said that you like that that luke fell off the plane and 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 everything ben did the exact same thing so that's the part where i was like oh maybe this is gonna be exactly like the previous movies yeah Yeah.
3: no it it's all true yeah greg
0: i'm I'm curious to know what greg uh and and then nico greg what do you feel about (laughs) leia in space what i mean does it bother you at all
1: not a bit not a bit Uh, I I'm in the minority. I totally I totally get it. You know, I guess the imagery of it was a little cheesy because, yeah, you called it Statue of Liberty. Liberty, Steve, you you coined that one. Everybody's kind of calling it the Mary Poppins moment, though. Mm. But for me, you know, this movie is so deep and there's so much to unpack in this movie for me. That, you know, people wondered, well, did Leia, you know, what has Leia been doing for the past, you know, 40 years since the last movie, and, and did she get any Force training, or was she just off being a leader of the Rebellion? But she obviously learned how to control some of her proficiency in the Force, some of that Skywalker blood that's in her. She actually learned to control some of that and it helped bring her bring her back from the brink. I mean, she was the only one on the bridge. They killed Ab- Admiral Akbar for Christ's sake. And, and and it was not a trap. He totally just bit it. So, I I was happy to see some resolution there.
3: They should be able to thaw out some frozen fish though. I don't I don't <laughs> think Akbar's really dead. Just don't put it in the microwave.
5: I just feel like okay, so they showed us that she has the force. That's wonderful. I love her. She's one of my favorite characters. I want her to have that. And then what? The next movie? Oh, great. We found out she, she had the power of the force. Oh, but she's dead, so we can't go anywhere with it.
2: Yeah, that's so, going to be weird. That's really so going to be I, weird. So here's I don't one thing. That, I, don't, I don't know that
1: they're going to kill her in the next movie. I Because this movie clearly sets up that Poe Dameron is now the leader of the, the resistance, as you knew it, was dead. It was down to the last dozen or so people, and it's up to Poe okay. Dameron to build that back up. He, mm. He's the leader now she'll be she'll be something in the background but she won't be a a central focus of anybody in the resistance
3: and what do you think about that Uh, well uh, before we before we go on to that hang on one you second don't mind Steve yep one thing about uh, Mary Poppins Leia I refuse to call it Statue of Liberty Leia Uh, (laughs) I think we got I think somebody pointed out to us that that particular power to survive in a vacuum and pull yourself back to a ship that was actually used by one of the characters on rebels in a previous season
0: yeah it was Kanan. yeah we talked about this that night yep
3: yeah so it's not there have been a couple instances in these movies where people are saying things like oh we've never seen anybody do that with the force before and i'm like i don't i don't necessarily accept that as a valid argument against something being there we in the six films that we have i don't think we've had we've really seen the full gamut of what people light or dark can do with the force and since this trilogy seems to be about pushing the force in new directions i think it's completely valid to have new interpretations and new powers new manifestations of what you can do with the force
1: every single movie that's come out okay so first movie you just had the force that was something that was totally new second movie you had force ghost never saw that before didn't have a problem with it Third movie you have force lightning. Never saw that before, didn't have a problem with it. The Phantom Menace, she had force super speed. Never saw that before, didn't have a problem with it. What? Why is it a problem now?
2: No, no, no. The, I did have a
1: exactly, problem with
3: that, no, <laughs> the what force only. Like,
5: exactly. Yeah, seeing something new is not a problem. I right. just feel like it was a weird it was a weird way to show that. I don't know. Like yeah. they could have showed that she has the force any other way.
3: Yeah, and I yeah. and I get what you're saying. And I think I think it's valid to say that the how it was shown or what it, or how it was a story point made me uncomfortable or it felt forced i think that's totally valid criticism to have but i have seen and encountered and even debated with people about is it even a valid force power and that's the argument out there that i just i don't get and kind of makes me cross my eyes a little bit like what are, what are you thinking greg just ran through seven examples of things we've never seen before and people just went right by it like it was nothing yeah, yeah. well
0: an- another force power we hadn't seen before the last Jedi was uh, asked the ability to astral project oneself across the universe. And but, uh, it's a huge plot point at the end when uh, Luke projects himself onto another planet. What did you guys think about that as a new force
2: power? I, I want to jump on that, but I got to jump back on the the Leia thing for <coughs> one thing, real quick. And that is, um, <clears throat> what what would have helped me, and maybe and what has helped in the past in these other films is yeah, we get introduced, lots of whiskey, lots of whiskey. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Because when I was five, I was drinking gallons of the stuff, but, um, here's the, here's the catch. In most of the films, there's always some, some sort of subtle dialogue or some little interaction that gives you a little hint at something that might be happening later on. We don't get that feeling with Leia. We, we wonder about it. We know about it. And I'm going to go back to my expanded universe stuff. Um, we know that there was... I mean, we don't even have to do that. We can actually just know Leia is a Skywalker. They're twins. She has the Force. We know it. Vader says it in Return of the Jedi. But if there was something where maybe in the dialogue, in the story, we get the idea that somebody, somehow, Leia had been doing some training off to the side, there would have been, a, a, a I think, a, an easier acceptance of that moment. At least for me. We accept Luke battling Vader and
0: succeeding against Vader and Jedi because he had been trained with Yoda and we saw that. And that's
2: extensive. Yeah. But there's that (coughs) moment where we do know that Leia's a Jedi just from Return of the Jedi. I mean, not a Jedi, but Mm -hmm. has the ability to become one. She's Force-sensitive. She's Force-sensitive. Right, right.
4: Okay. So are we all going to ignore the fact that Yoda's Force ghost manifested physically and beat Luke over the head with a cane to the point where we can <laughs> hear it audibly?
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Right. So <laughs> well that am that... be... so we're... happy that
5: he wasn't uh, CGI, that he was the puppet. Oh,
1: I, I I also love Puppet you... Yoda also and I think we're in the minority on that one what too. What did you so... <laughs> what did you think yeah. what did you think puppet of the look Yoda's of the bu- what did you think
0: puppet of? <laughs> what did you think of the look of Puppet Yoda? Do you think it matched uh, Jedi fairly well? Or did you think it was just... I thought it was Empire. I thought it was was
3: absolutely like the Yoda that I Mm -hmm. fell in love with as a six-year-old from Empire Strikes Back. It was perfect. I concur. I will say
4: that as a Force ghost, he was too opaque. It weirded me out how physically present he felt to me in the scenes. He didn't look like a ghost yeah. He 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 looked just like a blue Yoda instead of green Yoda. But and then when he point, hit Luke know. with this yeah. cane yeah. it was
1: like what? Well, well also, also another force power we have never seen before is the is the ghost astral projection Jedi able to physically affect the uh, the the normal world. Right. And and because Yoda does it with the with the Luke hitting him on the head and with the causing the lightning
0: to strike the tree. Well, yeah. and and you also have Rey and Kylo who
3: connect <laughs> through the force and physically touch. And and, and by the way, for another. people who called that force Skype, no way. There is no. because if it was Force Skype, it would have disconnected like 17 work. times in the course yeah. of the conversation.
1: <laughs> I I have taken I've taken a liking to the force timing aspect of it, though. I've taken a go. liking
0: to force that. <laughs> so I, mean, force, force, I, I like
3: force timing. Yeah.
0: Uh, so uh, there's a few other themes I want to uh, hit on here um, let's just go rapid fire here guys um, porgs what did you think about the porgs delicious hey, I'm-, Tasty. I'm so
4: disappointed that <laughs> Chewie was like even hesitant about just chomping down on that grilled porg <laughs> I was like what do you what the hell Chewy eat it <laughs> Chewie, get it out of here
2: well we know we have one porg lover on the show are there any other porg I lovers? Cute. I thought the
0: porgs were cute. We, they were marketed the hell out of before the Gee before whiz. the movie, and uh, I I thought they were appropriate in the movie. They weren't overkill. They weren't the uh, mm-hmm. the gungans, you know.
2: They. <laughs> yeah.
0: Why are you looking at me sideways like that, Oh man! Exactly,
4: uh, <laughs> like like you're saying. You know, they marketed the hell out of them, and yeah. like to their credit, they weren't. Overused in the movie, yeah. which yeah. was a really so, refreshing thing. I was really glad that they weren't fucking everywhere.
0: Right, they yeah, weren't so, the Ewoks. So what, had,
3: what had more screen time, Porgs or Yoda? Because I think it's actually, I think it's kind of close.
2: It is pretty close, actually. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, it, look, I'm happy they didn't get overused and they were, uh, they were marketed all the hell, but they are everywhere. They're everywhere, and there's moments that I think they're great, but then there's moments where it's like, I don't need them slapping up against the windshield of the falcon. I don't need them laying eggs in the in the wiring. I'm like, what? No! no. I know.
0: The,
3: the falcon has enough problems without Porgs nesting in the fucking thing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I thought
5: those were cute, though, the ones on the little nest. I was like, ah! <laughs> they're so cute! baby
3: so, Porgs. Chewy, I know, but Chewie's gonna lose his damn mind as he's finding those things in the falcon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, another quick theme. Let's talk about Phasma really quick. What do you think about the fate of Boba Captain Phasma? Phasma?
5: Yeah, short-lived, just like Boba.
2: Yeah, the new Boba Fett.
4: Yeah. I mean, what? I feel like they even gave Boba Fett more presence and screen time than Phasma.
3: Oh, for sure. So, so I was... I know. Uh, I think Nico. At the end of our prediction episode, I think it was you that made the comment. You know, we, that none of us have predicted that any of the new characters are going to die in this one. And mm-hmm. I made a comment that you know they're not going to do it with Finn. They're not going to turn Finn into Kenny. And so when that moment was happening at the end, where Finn was ready to sacrifice himself, he was flying in a thing. I was not in the moment at all. All I was thinking was, oh my God, I am never going to live this down. They are going to kill <laughs> Finn, and these fuckers are never going to let me forget it on this podcast for the rest of my life. And fortunately, he was saved. But I realized I was. I've, I've also now realized I'm wrong. Phasma is the new Kenny. Because at the end of episode seven, she's left it down a trash chute in a trash compactor on a planet that's about to explode. And she somehow gets off of that and saves herself. So now, actually, I don't think it's a big problem that she got her helmet cracked in and fell into a pit of fire. I think she is going to show up again in episode nine and be somewhat horribly disfigured. But she's going to be like. The candy of the Star Wars things and someone will get a crack at her again. <laughs> She's hey, like one of those uh, tinfoil
0: camping meals that you put in the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cooks her inside. Go ahead, Nico. I mean she got shot with a laser gun and it yeah.
4: bounced off of her armor. <coughs> Why the off. fuck is the Empire not using that armor <laughs> on fucking everything?
0: <laughs> so I so we talked about this that her armor, it's actually this is canon. It's in a comic or a book. That her armor is formed out of the hull that was Princess Amidala's starship. Okay,
4: well, if we watch the original trilogy, Amidala's got three different ships. Apparently, that material is not that hard to come by. And they're the fucking galactic empire. Go make some more fucking force sensitive horse shit shoveling babies, mine that shit, and make everything out
0: of it. <laughs> Oh, uh, Rami, I gotta Nico, isolate tell us what that. You really clip. think. Yes. tell I, us what you
3: really think. <laughs> hold on, I got.
0: I love Star Wars. I gotta look at the time I gotta isolate that clip later. That was, that was pretty pretty nice, Nico. <laughs> um. All right, another another quick theme. Let's talk about their trip to Canto Bite, the little side oh, yes. trip that Finn and Rose took to Canto oh. Bite. I'm sorry. I, just I, I think we it's Canto Blight is what it
2: is. Oh I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So Fucking I think we, extra. I think we could... We got to actually say uh, goodbye to one of our guests here. Uh, Miss Jackie Michelle um, has to take off, and we just want to say thank you for joining us on the show tonight. Jackie, thank you. Thank of you. Course.
5: Always a blast to hang out with you guys. Talk out with talk with you guys about the Star Wars.
0: Star Wars. <laughs> Jackie, really it's quick. Anytime. Jackie, how can people find you online? Facebook, Twitter. What's the best way?
5: Uh, Instagram. I am the pinup ghoul. And on Facebook, I am Jackie Michelle. It's the best way to find me. Also, do all your holiday shopping at Best Buy. It's the best place to purchase anything. <laughs> 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 wait, hashtag wait. ad. Awesome,
2: Jackie. Thank you so much. I was there tonight. I picked this baby up right there. <laughs> you got for the uh, last Jedi. There.
5: There's many porgs there.
2: Oh, I must have missed wait. those. I'm so sorry.
5: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye, guys.
0: Awesome. See thanks, uh, Jackie. Bye-bye. Thanks for
2: joining us. All right. So we're
0: talking about Canto Bite. So, Finn and Rose take a little side trip. They're looking for a uh, someone who can crack a code to disable a one of the one of the imperial or uh, not an imperial. I always want to say imperial ships forever. You know what? It is imperial,
2: and it's the, the goddamn Damn rebels! Okay, that's right. And that's right. I want to hear Greg's five and a half minute monologue on this whole sec this whole section right here
0: so greg what did you what did you think about this whole diversion it's taking a lot of heat online from fans uh Observedly so about what was the point <laughs> what was the point of this 25 minutes of film finn and rose go off to canto bite get thrown in the clanker for wait for it a parking, parking violation <laughs>
3: That's then, so, that part was so stupid that it was so so stupid
0: break out of jail with dj and put all their trust in him simply because he says he can crack the code no other reason they have no evidence of this but they follow him and of Res- course
3: resistance operational security at its finest right there
0: <laughs> pay dearly for it greg what did you think of this uh this
1: this was a scene that really just almost made me just tear my hair completely out because yeah they're yes they're in jail for a violation wait a minute violation. wait
4: a minute gregory you're bald <laughs> he's talking
0: about it. he see he tore that's, it out that's
4: part of the
1: problem that's
4: part of the problem
1: is it it's it, there was no hair to pull out i would have pulled i i was tugging on the beard the whole time just to, just to like i couldn't wow. hang with it. um there was there was there was literally no point to anything that there was no reason for that. I'm want to say there was no point because obviously they're they're trying to shoehorn this in because this is, you know, the next generation, as they refer to at the end, is coming from people like this. So they had to shoehorn in all this stuff that, just had no place in the rest of the story. It did not serve the story. They could have gotten the character of DJ from anywhere, and the fact that they just had to—he's just some rando laying in a prison cell because maybe, maybe he parked somewhere that he wasn't supposed to be parking either. It, <laughs> and why he's wearing his shoes around his neck the whole time, I have no idea. But it was—it it was something that was just completely. It, it was it was completely out of place. It was completely just just there was it, the plot. It made no sense to the plot. It didn't serve the story. It it was something that that just completely pulled me pulled me away from what I was enjoying up to that point.
3: See so. the only the only part of it that I think you could argue really served the story was the exchange he had with Finn when uh, when he was loot you know looting the the hold of the ship he sold, of the ship they stole. And he makes a comment, you know, hey, look at this person. They're selling weapons to the first order. Oh, look, and they're selling weapons to the resistance. And he yeah. makes his point to Finn, you know, the education of Finn that the world is not absolutes. it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray out there, which is the the overall theme of that movie and this yeah. this trilogy as a whole. But that's a it's a hell of a plot point to make us go through just to try to get to that one that one speech. And I have to say why that guy is just able to walk out of the cell door whenever he wants. I mean, he was like a character in one of those stupid Bud Light commercials that's on the air right now. All that was missing was a sign that said Pit of Misery and a bunch of people that said Dilly Dilly as he walked out the door.
1: <laughs> See, I, and I thought they would go for like, well, okay, because they, they tease that they were looking for the guy with the flower and, and that's where Justin Thoreau is there and he's wearing the flower and I figured that there was, was going to be some kind of mistaken identity thing and actually DJ was the guy they were supposed to be looking for. Me too. No, me too. But he's literally just some random <laughs> random guy and i and i get what you're going for because w- when we talked about like canto blight is exactly the same scene as the most isolated scene it's the wretched hive of scum and villainy except it's not the wretched they're not all scum and villainy they're all prim and proper they're the high society but it's still a wretched hive that's there you know so it's the exact same viewpoint um or it's the exact same same people that are there just from a different viewpoint and you really could have done that he could have been a prisoner on the rebel ship you know and they could have they could have captured him for for trading with the first order and everything like that and yet he also could disclose that he was selling to the to the resistance as well. You could have served that same point by him
3: being in a in a prison cell on a resistance ship, you know? So, do you think cuz I read this online and it, it's kind of stuck with me and I ha- I don't know how I feel about it yet. Someone was arguing that the the Canto bite sequence and DJ were basically analogous to the Empire strikes back sequence with Cloud City and DJ is, is Lando. Yeah, and he's, my, a, he's, he's a Lando surrogate, absolutely. And, yeah. and my concern about that is Lando's Lando was flipped, but he wound up on a heroic side by the end of the movie. He was still a scoundrel, but he wound up on the heroic side by the end of the movie, and DJ just seems like a total survivalist, I'll do whatever it takes to survive, yeah. you know, damn the consequences. It,
1: well, it, if this is the last point we ever see him, then that's then, then yes. that's a waste. Then
3: then yeah. then I agree with you. But I don't think this is the last time we see him. I think he I, comes back. I'm I'm hoping we see more of him. I'm hoping that this kind of sense of unfulfillment that we have from Kanto Bite and that character, I'm hoping that we see more of this in Episode Nine, so that there's a payoff somewhere. Because if there isn't, then I'm firmly in your camp that that was a complete, complete and utter waste of time.
2: Yeah. Like, I, I agree, and I, I felt the, the same thing actually watching the film before I saw anything online posted about it. I felt that he was the the new version of Lando, and there is an interesting article about Lando uh, being written into the original treatment of the script uh, that dealt with him directly. Uh, and, would, would and, I, and I
3: read that, and I'm glad they didn't do it after reading it.
2: I am too. It would have really made the Lando character... I just, they would have destroyed it for me. Um, that the, the point of the whole Lando thing was to show the compromise that he was going through, what he had to do he does end up becoming a hero out of it and uh, it would have compromised that whole feeling about that character that's how I kind of feel about this character, he, he, the fact that he's pointless he's really pointless up to a point you don't feel good about him, the only thing I'm hoping at this point is he does show up and something drastically changes in his character arc in the next film.
4: But in that same breath though, Scott, yeah. how what he did was so detrimental to the cause of the resistance and the rebellion. Yeah. If he does come back, like, how can he atone for the sins that he's committed? What he almost ended the entire resistance single handedly by giving up all of those ships. Yeah. What can he do in episode nine? To not only make him relevant, but to make up for that in any sort of positive way. And if they bring him back as a bad guy, he's already a bad guy. Like, who fucking cares?
2: I'm glad you asked this question, because I've got an answer for you. And here's how it goes. He comes back. He does his little switcheroo action, whatever he has to do. It's just not good enough. He's the guy when we see Phasma suddenly appear out of nowhere with another broken mask, side face, eyeball sticking out, which isn't blue, by the way. Um, he's the one who's going to push her out of the way, redeem her, and fall into the next fiery pit. That's how I think he's going to redeem himself.
4: I think nope. what he can do is is he takes all that First Order money, buys a whole bunch of guns and ships and fits another army basically. If he funds a mercenary army with all the money that he just got from the First Order to come and help the Resistance. But even still he almost nearly ended the Resistance single-handedly with what he
2: did. Well, I'll tell you what. If he does do that um, please don't have all the people talk like him. Because it will annoy the (laughs) shit out of me. He's
3: going to go home and pick up his friends. (laughs) Now, did did they call DJ a Slicer in this movie or a Codebreaker? I think it was mostly
1: Code... Bre- well, well, they called the other guy the Master Codebreaker, and they didn't really call DJ anything. He just said, he just walked around, I can, I can break codes, you know, I something to that effect. It's,
3: I don't know if they ever specifically referred to him as a Codebreaker.
4: All, all he said was that he can get him onto the First
0: Order ship.
3: Okay. I was just trying to remember if they ever used Slicer anywhere since Slicer is a expanded universe term.
0: Yeah. God, yeah, that point. sounds familiar. Yeah. Why? I think but, yeah, I think I mean, we did hear that. When he flipped
3: up his little shoulder
0: pad, I
4: thought that he was pulling out little razor blades. It looked mm-hmm. like little scalpels almost. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I guys, don't know anything about these slicers, but
0: well, guys, you talked it, about it, DJ as a meaningless character. Sorry, Dave. I my no, okay. my question is about another character that folks are calling meaningless now, and that is Snoke. What is Snoke's place in all this? Forget forget about Ray's place. Why did Snoke exist? Does Snoke matter? I mean, Snoke se- certainly seemed like the big baddie uh, for the first movie and a half of this new trilogy, and uh, Kylo made pretty quick work of him. So did the Emperor matter? W- yeah. Well, I well yeah, I think the Emperor so matter final- created the whole contra the, the whole uh, Clone Wars. But the, but
1: but you don't know that going into epi- coming out of episode four you didn't even there's there's one name drop of the emperor after episode four there's a thirty second scene of him in episode five and then he's dead by episode six.
4: Hmm.
2: Yeah, but he really does showcase his power, and there is a feeling of this isn't going to go well for Luke in that case. Um, that that moment. If Vader didn't turn, if Vader just sat there, he has that power that would have killed off the Jedi. That would have killed off Luke.
0: And I think, I think the Emperor is so much more powerful in those films because you see Darth Vader, the Dark Lord of the Sith, evil incarnate in the first movie and a half, and then in Empire... He kneels down. I remember that feeling of holy crap, who does Vader kneel down to? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
3: And, and it's
0: the Emperor. And Snoke, I just don't now in 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 retrospect, I don't feel that sort of power yeah. from him.
4: Well, Snoke was bullying around a couple of adolescents who didn't know the power that they wielded. If you think about it, he never f- you we never see Snoke facing a Jedi. He well, takes he- Ben when he was young. And he's pulling Rey, who's had almost zero Jedi training. So, like, he might have the Force, you know, abilities, and he might have read some books and some teachings on the Sith, but it doesn't make him a Sith Master. It doesn't make him all-powerful. He's stronger than everybody else in the room, but that doesn't make him the strongest person
3: in the world. So, I read a fantastic fan theory about Snoke. And I really want to talk about it, but I don't want to give potential spoilers for anybody.
4: This entire podcast has been (laughs) spoilers,
3: so it's just it's it's a fan theory, it's fan speculation. But if people, if you guys don't want to hear that or have it in your head, I will respect that and I won't I won't talk about it.
2: I was going to say, after what happened with the whole Luke Skywalker thing, uh, are you really going down this path?
3: I think
0: fan (laughs) theories are just that, Dave, and. I mean, we had two years of fan theories and they were all wrong.
3: So, all right. so, so go for it. So th- this particular fan theory is that Snoke is actually the first Jedi. And it's based off of some information on the art design of the original Jedi Temple that's in that Star Wars visual dictionary. Mm. There, is, there is a bit of inscription that has an image of the first Jedi on it, according to the Visual Dictionary, and that that image looks a lot like Snoke, or at least the alien race that Snoke appears to be. And the thought is that if Snoke is the first Jedi, you know, the founder of the Jedi Order, and he's somehow survived, he is this incredibly strong Force presence who is now seeking to to end the thing that he started. And that is also where the name of the Empire now comes from. The first Jedi has turned it into the First Order. Hmm. Yeah, he is a
4: Jedi? He's a, a, he's
3: a fallen Jedi. He's not a Sith. He's not a Sith, but no one's ever asked if he was a Jedi to my knowledge. Hmm.
2: Yeah, it, There's also some reference, I believe, to um, him actually making an appearance in an older film. And it's, I believe it's a prequel. Is it is it anakin in the phantom menace where he's he has some action figures like type things toys that he's playing with and one of them is supposed to be that character the first jedi Hmm. i read something about that i'll have to find that article that would be cool yeah i like that tie-in yeah
3: well but if that's the case then snoke we haven't seen the last of snoke we're gonna we're gonna get something of him whether it's a force ghost or flashbacks or something And there is another document, a visual, I think it's also in the visual dictionary, that references that uh, Ben Solo is not Snoke's first apprentice, that he has taken on another apprentice prior to that.
2: Hmm. Wow. That I was not aware of.
3: Hmm.
0: Guys, there's one more theme I want to hit on before we close out the show and uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue this there's so much we haven't gotten to we haven't talked much about Rose we haven't talked about the slow speed chase <laughs> uh, we need to hit on those next episode but I definitely want to get to this one guys we need to talk about the next generation of Star Wars fans and how they're being led into uh into the how should I say it they're being we're being fed. The next generation of Star Wars and that is a major major theme of this film Kylo Ren himself says it best when he's trying to convince Rey to come with him he says let the Jedi burn let the Sith burn let it all go blow it up let's start something new um, what do you think about the overarching theme in this movie that the old Star Wars as we know it is 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 just that? It's, it's not the way this is going to go. Luke also said it best. This is not going to go the way you think. Maybe Mark Hamill was talking to us when he said that in the trailer. Um, uh, for God's sakes, they pull apart and destroy the lightsaber... That was Luke's and Anakin's. I mean, it is, they're, they're destroying the Holy Grail in that scene. I really think that this is Lucasfilm saying to us 40-something fans, uh, this is not going to be your Star Wars anymore. And I'm just curious as to if you guys agree with me and, and what you think.
1: That's a very aggressive. I take mm. well. I take that as a very aggressive. This is not your Star Wars anymore. I don't. I don't think it is that. I th- I, I. I would put it as. Um. Don't expect that, or, or don't think that you know what to expect from Star Wars star wars we're we're going to take you to places you've never been to before with this franchise this This is going to be a franchise that is going to be a ride that's surprising. It's not going to be something that you can just predict is going to happen on an internet forum
0: well that that may be true and i I, I think you're right about that, but I think that's as that's a symptom of of the deeper issue at play here, and that is that that what you know. And what the reasons that you fell in love with this franchise in the beginning, family lineage, heirlooms, tradition, it's all going out the window and we're starting something new. I mean, just the fact that they uh, the reveal or the supposed reveal that that uh, Ray is a not only not a Skywalker or not a Kenobi, she's a nobody. And that scene where they break the fourth wall and Kylo says, you're not part of the story. I mean it it just
2: they they broke the fourth wall there. Is he
0: just... says to her, "You're not part you're nothing. You're not part of the story." That's a line from the film. That took me out completely. I'm like, "What story are you talking about, Kylo? Are well, you talking to fans?" I mean, Dave, what was your take on that?
3: Uh I would agree with you if she if Ray hadn't had a line earlier about, I need somebody to show me my place in all this. That she says to Luke. All, all this, yeah, all this meaning the, the story of what's going on. Because she is, you know, these old tales of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, the Rebellion, the Emperor. These are all stories and legends to her. Mm-hmm. And she steals unknowingly the Millennium Falcon and meets Han Solo. And suddenly she is smack frickin' dab in the middle of these characters that she played with toys of as an orphan on Jakku. Mm-hmm. And suddenly she has these fantastic powers that she doesn't understand. It's like, yeah, I need somebody to show me my place in all this. And Ben Solo is like, you're not even part of the story, but sit with me and join me, and I will make you part of the story. I didn't, I get what you're saying. It's just without that earlier setup, I don't think it's breaking the fourth wall. Mm.
2: I I've, I've actually been struggling with this one quite a bit, um, and and I hate going down this road. But there's just too much that are that's literally slapping us in the face. There's so much being told in this movie to forget everything that you've been used to, that you're comfortable with. Uh, I mean, the very first thing we see Luke do is throw away his lightsaber.
3: And that, you know, <laughs> I, I, lo- I have
2: love that move. I love it. I fucking I, can't. I
3: can't tell you how much the, that was just genius. I, I loved it, too. But I want to share with you something Christine said to me that I really liked, which was it's like he throws it over his shoulder very carelessly. But her comment was he didn't throw it over his shoulder so carelessly that he went that it went in the water. <laughs> yeah, it uh. didn't get it didn't like like, like he knew what he was doing. Like, oh. I'm trying to make a point, but not so much of a point that I can't go get that later.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it's it's a lot of these moments, these gestures that, okay, one, I still think could have been handled differently, delicately. In a way, what we get from that, and Greg, I agree with you, it played for a great humorous part. But if you know that character, and I know that we've argued about how Luke's character is in this film, some of us like it, some of us don't, uh, or or have issues with it anyway. Um, my my biggest issue is is you want to play that character off, and, and now it, it's it's even more so with hearing this interview with uh, Mark Hamill. Um, I think Luke could have done it differently. I think the story could have been told differently, in this and but still had the same outcomes. He could have basically taken that set and and, and said, this this has no meaning for me anymore. But it, it's almost like he's Yoda, like Yoda on Dagobah, you know, pulling his hot dog and his food and his breadcrumbs out and bashing R2 over. He's, he's this little maniacal freak. And he's like, eh, whatever, chucks it over and he stomps off and locks his door. He's like a little teenager. And it's like, I don't know, there's... I feel like the drama and the tension that could have been built in all of that scene between him and Rey could have been so much more. I feel like there's so much missing or they're missing it just enough. And That's what's making me not go in 100% on these new movies. I'm enjoying them. I see the direction they want to take. And maybe I am too old or I'm, I'm holding on to those traditional Star Wars films. But my God, I don't know. They, they built that. They gave this that they now they're just taking it away and doing something totally different and and basically telling us and you should just shut up about it. Luke throws the saber over his shoulder. Uh, Snoke tells Kylo Ren, you're just a little boy in a mask. Take that ridiculous thing off. Uh, Everything Kylo says that was
3: meta that took me out. Thank you, Scott. That was a moment that took me out.
2: Yeah, but it's it's so many moments. It's Leia telling Poe Dameron, or the people on the bridge, why are you looking at me? Follow that guy. You know, I I get what they're doing, but there's a different way. You know what? My dad used to say this to me. I'm going to make this personal for a second. You can approach things two different ways. And how that outcome happens is your choice on how you want to make that happen. You know, you can be a dick about it, like Luke's being a dick through the first part of that movie to Rey, but if you're the fan or you're the you're the people watching this, you want to see Luke Skywalker. I don't want to see Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi, but I do want to see the character that was developed and built over time who failed miserably and is not Grumpy Cat on an island. I want to see this guy who's, like, really broken down. And I don't know, there were moments of it, but a lot of it was just, like, a fucking joke at some point and I it hurt. Like... Maybe I'm a fanboy, but I'm. fuck it. I'm a fan, you know? I want to see a Star Wars film, and there were a lot of moments in this film that didn't feel like a Star Wars film. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean there there weren't any. There were plenty of great moments and really did feel close to home or carrying on a story of some sort. And they don't have to be dead-on identical or rehashes of the originals, but you can tell a a Star Wars story without being a cynical joke or a Saturday night live skit or whatever they're doing. I don't know. There's just something off about certain things. And that's how I feel that Disney and Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy, because I know you listen to our show. You're just doing something to do a little bitch slap to your fans. And it's not right. You don't
4: fucked up, Aaron. Yeah.
2: And you know what? You're making me feel like George Lucas should have written these. And that's, that's a big step for me to say that man
3: them fighting words
2: that was the condensed version guys i'm so sorry i'm
3: (sighs) no it's okay but i was one thing i want to say that is very different about the these films that we're getting now yeah is that previously and i i talked about this a little That those those first six movies are kind of standalone films they were going towards a fixed point on the horizon and that was it yeah and what's different here is this is a franchise and a universe and we're going to have one at least one star wars film a year yeah. for the next probably 10 to 15 years and that's what's different about it there there is no horizon that we're going to anymore yeah
2: that's a good point but you know that uh, that stupid rant that i just went through yeah i'm excited for the next star wars film and you know which one han solo i'm actually excited about that movie 5 months away i know
4: I'm really excited for any and all anthologies that they're going to put out, but I feel like the episodics
3: should be done with episode nine. And that, honestly, that's a direction I kind of wonder if that's where they're going. I think if Rey is not a Skywalker and she is not a Kenobi, then I think episode nine really would be the end of the episodic arc. You get to resolving... The Ben Solo, aka Ben Skywalker, story, and that's the end of the Skywalker family saga. And now we're just now we're in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, if you're and we're exploring right. that for all time.
2: If you I feel you're, like yeah. the
4: end of this movie could be the end of the next movie, like the whole the force is for everyone kind of a thing. I feel like that would be an appropriate end for Episode Nine. If they can manifest that somehow more than just some random little boy picking up a broom, well, and ending the conflict between you know the First Order and the Rebellion, there's no more Rebellion, there's no more Empire, there's no more anything. It's just here's a universe and here's the Force, and then it just fades, and that's that's it. Yeah, and then we would, get a Boba Fett movie. We would have to end year. this.
2: We would end the Skywalker saga by ending Leia and ending uh, Ben. Solo, and that would basically take care of that saga, but this wraps. This brings up something back to me that I wanted to actually touch on uh, Dave, you mentioned I think earlier at the beginning of the show about the kids, the random kids or whatever with the force and, and how this I, I can't remember if this was your point, but if we hadn't seen that before, we actually have seen that before, we've seen how the Jedi Order was established by Yoda teaching these younglings random kids they go around qui-gon was on tatooine by chance and picked up on the fact that anakin had oh god i don't even want to get into certain he, he registered on a scale for some reason that he had the force in him i'm not going to bring it up i swear i'm not going to talk about that don't, don't ever, say
0: the word don't say the word midichlorians I get, on oh, this show god, oh damn it. Damn it. god damn it, damn it you
2: Fuck you know. uh, uh, but but the, the fact is, is we saw that happening. They were training multiple kids, multiple you know, uh, species from around the galaxy. And it's, it's, it's just being shown in just a little bit different of a way. It bugged me, but now I start to see that connection. I'm like, okay, it's almost like reestablishing that there could be another Jedi Order down the road. There could be these kids around that, like, if Ray really is a nobody... And she's the one that's starting this all over again. Here's a kid with a broom sweeping up, you know, llama shit in a, whatever, <laughs> a pen on Canto Bite. You know, I, it could be an interesting story, but I felt it was a little weird and out of place to show that. It didn't. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I, they got I a lot. Of,
3: it's it felt a little like the end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer to me, where suddenly all the potentials in the world are now slayers. Yeah, and then Buffy goes off to season eight to build a Slayer army. Yeah, I heard
4: somebody else say that. Um, Adam Savage said that on his podcast. Really, really? Yeah, they Obviously actually brought up that dude. exact point of uh, Buffy and the Potentials. So,
0: yeah, that's good. That is a good point, guys. There is so much to unpack here. We could keep going, but we need to get out of here. We're gonna save this for our next episode. I, it's going to take a couple of shows to recover from this, and uh, <laughs> and I, I actually think it's going to take well, longer than that, but uh, go can ahead. I, Dave. Can I
3: close with one thing that stayed with me, Steve, real quick? Yeah, go to it. It was, it was actually from the, the aborted Sunday morning when we, we didn't get in to see it, because who would have thought that a 9 a.m. show on Sunday would sell out? Sweet Jesus. But right. there was, <laughs> I, I think before you got there, there was a family in the lobby, and it, it was not... It was not a Caucasian family. I think it was a Vietnamese family, but I I could not say with 100% certainty that's what it was. But a a little girl, probably about six or seven, she ran over to the standee of the heroes. Because they had a standee of all the heroes and a standee of all the bad guys. And she ran over to the heroes and she posed for a picture that her father took. And it was her standing there pointing at Rose and smiling for the camera. And that... That mm-hmm. got me in the feels, and that made me just realize you know what? These movies maybe they aren't for our generation of Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. it is for this next generation that's coming up. Because how many times has that little girl probably been able to say, There is somebody that's a hero to me, and she looks like me?
0: There
4: you
3: go. Don't I- you
0: guys all feel like assholes now? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can't think of
0: a better way to end this show right there, Dave. <laughs> Good. Well said, well said, sir.
1: You know, it's pretty amazing that we spent Sunday morning talking about this, and now we're like roughly two hours
0: talking about it now. And
1: this movie was only two and a half hours long.
0: And yet, if you listen back to this podcast, it would appear that we all hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Except oh, for me,
1: I think I think I'm the only motherfucker defending this movie.
0: No, I I like it a lot. I'll defend
1: it with you. Hold, hold on a second.
0: It? Hold on a second. Everybody's negative, and Greg is positive. What the hell is <laughs> happening? He we're through the
1: looking glass, people.
2: He Black obviously is white, up is down. He did not see the hologram of Glenn Fry in Canto Bite. <laughs> oh man. Oh my God. <clears throat> well, if you have ever
0: seen a hologram of Glenn Fry. Give us a call and tell us all about it. 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. In case you can't spell HIVE. Right, in case you can't spell HIVE. Uh, Find us on the web at uh, www.therechethive.net. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Wretched Hive Podcast. Email us if you would like to do that at wretchedhive at yahoo.com. You can tweet us at Pod. We're on Stitcher. We are on iTunes. We are on Podbean. But maybe the best way, best way to listen to the show is we recommend iTunes or Stitcher. Of course, it's very good if you're on Android. iTunes, we really benefit a lot when you guys leave a review. We got some nice reviews lately. I really appreciate that. Please leave a review. We love the five-star reviews. We'll take the one-star, though. Any stars, we don't care. We just want to connect with you fans and listeners of the wretched eye podcast um guys final thoughts on this first episode of the last jedi review show overall this movie's making
4: me feel like that old man in that last stand battle of the rebels touches the ground licks his fingers
2: oh oh my god (laughs) salty this is Nico coming around? Is... Nico's coming around, I think a little bit. He's—he's he's not a millennial anymore. <laughs> he's gonna be an old man. Wow. I'm so proud of you,
0: guys. Have a wonderful week. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Happy New Year to everybody. May the Force be with us all in 2018.
2: Always. Woot.
3: I just hope that 2018 is the year that America is finally great again because the last 200 plus years have just been utter shit. <laughs> <laughs>